So when did the Eichel trade happen? I, now that I'm looking back on my week, it kind of hit me in the face. Was it Thursday? Uh, I'm just looking at the, uh, you know, as one does to get ready for a podcast, the uh, top of our hockey uh, for the last week. <laughs> our hockey? Um, our hockey, the Reddit, the subreddit. This past week. I do not go on Reddit. Um, I believe it happened three days ago. So that would have been on Friday or Thursday. I think it was early Friday morning, I think. Right? Because, I mean, early for us. It was like at like 7 in the morning or 8 in the morning or something, I think, is when it happened. Um, because I had been November tweeting. 4th. That's when we tweeted about it. Yeah, that's when it. We tweeted about the, uh, well, the Calgary the Eichel right. proposition. So it was Thursday. Yeah. When was, was that? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Thursday. Any, anywho, anywho, what did you guys think of the trade? It, actually, let's start back. I think Elliot's kind of talked about the Flames, what Kevin Weeks tweeted out, I believe it was on Wednesday afternoon then. Yeah. Matthew Kachuk. And then you guys tweeted about that. I remember that. Yeah. Yes. Do you Which would have been a think crazy... that at any point that might have been on the table? Like it just seems so outrageous to me that it was like a leak just to pull the trigger for Vegas. Oh yeah. Well, and the Calgary leak was I mean, I think my tweet was just literally a quote tweet that just said um, like with like four M's because I think the proposition for from Calgary was just an absurd it was like Kachuk and wasn't it like two picks or something or three picks? It was like Kachuk, like two first round picks and a second round pick. Yeah, and a pro- maybe there was like a prospect also thrown into that. Yeah, it like- and it and it was the. I mean, I know that there had been. I think what in the last like week or two before he was traded, it kind of was. Didn't it get down to just there were like three teams that were remaining or two even? I think it was Calgary and Vegas were the last two, weren't they? Um, yeah, I mean and- from the from the sounds of it, it was like it's just been down to Vegas for a while now, like. Calgary yeah. and Carolina were just sort of like, give me a call. Yeah. But, and I mean, um, Rangers fans were really still holding on hope, I think, for a while, too. But that's that never going to happen. I know that ship sailed, I think, a while ago. But um, I, the original Calgary trade proposal that yeah, Kevin Weeks tweeted out just seems so over the top in terms of like, why hadn't that actually happened yet? Because I think that trade, we and we had a couple, Luke, you had a couple charts that you tweeted out about how basically from our. Um, our player cards, they are the same like rating essentially overall, which is you know depends on how how you view those. But well, and that included, I think that was including some of um, you know Eichel's last season, which was definitely impacted by injuries. So it's kind of hard to know, given his last season. But the season, I think the nineteen twenty season, right? He was like you know, I mean, he's a very Eichel is a very very good player, but you know Matthew Kachuk is also a very good player. Um, I would say you know, not center. So a, a kind of a different there, but I still think that would have been a pretty crazy trade for Buffalo if they were able to get that return. But it seemed like, yeah, that was not, uh, <laughs> didn't seem like that was a legitimate uh, possibility. I don't know. Yeah. But, but heading into the season. So our guard projections we had, um, and, and a lot of this is, I think one of the things that's really hard with Eichel, I think uh, this is separate, but I, there's been some talk about how Tarasenko has been really good this year, and I think they had kind of a similar, somewhat similar situation where different age, obviously, but the huge injuries that Eichel, I guess it sounds, I mean, at least with Eichel, um, it seems like a very major injury that he has. Now, we obviously don't know everything, and there's been a lot of stuff that has been kind of, um, I don't know, hasn't, we don't, haven't, hasn't been confirmed, but uh, when you make a projection model, especially for a player like Eichel, who's missed a bunch of time in the last season, but who was really good, I think that I guess what I'm getting to is that we projected Kachuk to be the much, not much better player, but to be a better player overall this year. But a lot of that, I think, has to do with injuries and missing time. So from a raw guard projection, we had Kachuk as the better player, but from a per 60, um, we actually had 
well, we actually had Kachuk better as well. But I think a lot of that is it's just hard with these kind of players who um, who have missed a lot of time um, when you have a projection system like that because usually um, it, it just adds a lot more uncertainty overall. So that initial well, Calgary trade proposal I thought was like, why is this being proposed? Why is this not actually a report that this actually happened? Because that, that should have been a, an immediate trade if that actually was on the table from Calgary, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think also like Tuck, I mean, Tuck's kind of an interesting player because he's like from our, like both our GAR and XGAR models, he's kind of bounced around a, a bit from being like, you know, a really solid player to kind of somewhat average to kind of mediocre. I think that his eighteen nineteen season was really, really good. And I mean, he's playing so in last year, he had a kind of a bounce back year, but he's kind of one of those players that seems to kind of bounce around a little bit isn't quite as stable I'm not quite sure where we projected Tuck but um he was close to he's close to Eichel um they're they're comparable players I will say I don't now Sean maybe you know you can uh you know because we don't know anything about prospects I don't know even if this other player that traded that got traded for in that was in the so it was to be clear the trade from Vegas was it was Tuck Krebs I believe uh yeah Peyton Krebs yeah and then a 20 22nd first and a 2023rd second for Eichel and a 2023rd third. So it was basically too many like, picks. There's a lot. There's too some many... conditions. There's conditions to that too. The first round pick is also uh, top 10 protected. Okay. Um, yeah. And I think all of the is the conditions. All of them push out if it's a top 10 pick. If Vegas just doesn't come back this year from their disastrous start. Yeah, <laughs> I'd have to. I don't quite know. Let's see. I think if that's there's... how it works. Yeah, that that sounds right, but. Um, I actually think that the trade seems kind of to me. I think on face value seems fair. Now again, I'm not quite sure who, where, where to value prospects ever. <laughs> so in this case, I'm not quite sure how I would value the the other player. I'm not, I don't know much about him, but um, I think in this case, like the other thing is that both Tuck and Eichel are injured, and I don't think Tuck is. I don't think he's supposed to be back for. Um, no, I think it's like like most January or yeah. February. So at least when I was looking. So yeah, is, I mean, it's, I think it was kind of interesting from Vegas's standpoint because they're already missing. I mean, Vegas is one of the, I don't know. They've had the most injuries probably or them at Colorado this year in terms of just like losing talent, you know, Mark Stone, patch ready. They had Martinez out. Um, they've had like, you know, like just a bunch of their lineup has been hurt. And now they're, they're trading Tuck, who was out for Eichel, who's out until I think it's like March, isn't it? Is he's going to get that surgery. And I think that right now, I think its timetable is like maybe March. I yeah, think. I saw March. Um, so I don't know. I think it's a. Um, I mean, for me personally, I'm just glad that the saga is over, so I don't have to see Jack Eichel training every day and <laughs> seeing everyone talking about it. Like I tweeted about it's. I'm pretty sure I've seen Jack Eichel training every day since June or whenever it was started. All of this stuff started. It was there was always news every day. Everyone was talking about it. It went to different teams, and I'm just honestly kind of just happy that. It's over, and I, I don't know. I think once Eichel gets healthy, um, he'll be. it'll be really interesting to watch him on Vegas. I, I'm i not sure how much we're going to see him this year, but I, I think he'll fit pretty nicely. Now, they have a big cap issue. Like, I'm not sure how they're well, – they're going to have to make a, another move, I think, to fit him under the cap, right? So here's – here's I think um, I think it was Kelly McCrimmon who said this. Um, he's the general manager for the Knights. Is that it doesn't really work with everybody healthy – but when will they all be healthy is kind of the question. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like th- that's just been Vegas's mentality since the franchise began a few years ago. Right. Is like, we're just going to make a big splash and figure everything else afterwards. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of like 
their motto here is like we'll just figure it out we'll see what what it's going to look like in three months when we actually have to deal with this issue Um, yeah (laughs) because it's just (laughs) you're never going to have everybody healthy right and so it's a matter of like are your big salary players going to be unhealthy or or injured or is something else going to have have to happen yeah so it'll be interesting they're gonna have to figure out how to finagle it but i also think that this shows that i think most fans really don't care about cap circumvention they just i mean i think everybody's kind of happier here that eichel this eichel saga is gone and that he's also gonna go to a competitive team and possibly have a chance to win and you know, I think just fans would much rather that they really don't care about anybody exploiting the cap. Is that Sabres that comes into Sabres slander? I'm hearing from you, Sean, over there <laughs> that he doesn't have a chance to win in Buffalo with this Buffalo Sabres. He did not have a chance to win in Buffalo, <laughs> <laughs> and everybody knows that. The funniest part, if you did you, so I assume you occasionally at least listen to the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast. I uh, listened to it on my way home on Friday, and it was interesting that Elliot Friedman's con comments on talk and that kevin adams in the buffalo sabers really one of the big things big reasons why they wanted talk was because he was willing to be a buffalo saber like he would lovingly go to buffalo to, yeah through this like really dark time that they're having and he definitely seems to be that kind of guy he was like all smiley in the press conference like if i was leaving vegas for buffalo i'd be in tears well he, he probably, was like he, he probably he probably just heard heard the the reason hirings of sam ventura and dom gallimini so he's all exactly. excited yeah and aren't they the hiring new... somebody else in that front office? aren't they expanding that yeah, yeah i the think analytics so as well they have another position open i yeah, yeah I, think I don't so. i don't know the exact specifics but there is i believe they're hiring another yeah but if position. i was a player and i heard that they <laughs> the sabers hired sam ventura and dom gallimini i'd be like yeah send me to buffalo hell yeah hell we're yeah. going to buffalo yeah <laughs> I will say you're you're like a forty five minute drive away from from uh, what is it McGovern's? I don't know. I don't. Where know. wherever we go for Ritzak, you can. Oh, yeah. You're very close oh, to Ritzak. Yeah, just you could drive just down pop, the road. pop on over to. I think yeah, that is the place, isn't it, McGovern's? Yes, and they got they got garbage plates there. Yeah. Well, they just call them a Rochester plate there because it's like a yeah. college bar. But and the, yeah, they have like seventy five beers on tap. But anyway, yes. I did we cover <laughs> Dom getting hired by the Sabers? Um, I don't know if we talked about that, but for anybody who doesn't know. Uh, Dom Gallimini, he's old. Uh, he's been around for a long time, and he has helped us, Luke and I, uh, quite a bit. He, um, I think, I'm trying to think when it was, but it was. I remember the first thing I saw was his hero charts from years ago, which were kind of, and that was one of the first. I think one of the few or early public uses uh, of like Rapham, and he had a specific like metric that was. I think it was like Corsi Rapham, so it was essentially it'd be paired with points and a few other things. But um, I think he's been with Stathletes now for about three or four years. If that's maybe I think it's since not... he got out of college, like two yeah. years ago or something. So, yeah, but he, mean... it's it's funny because our Rapham charts that I think are somewhat popular that on our from our website, people maybe seen them. You know, purple, blue, red bars. Uh, they when we originally made the uh, <laughs> I like yeah that is how we describe them. We it's got like, bars. Oh, yeah, yeah, we got bars. We yeah. you probably seen those blue and those purple and orange or red bars. That's that's how people know yeah, our those, site. But anyway. when we originally, I think when we were first making the website to start to make, making evolving hockey, that was I think one of the first things we did. And we call I call the actual object in the like the actual 
we use ggplot in so Luke's our package, code. Yeah. In my code, it's, it was called Hero because <laughs> we were mimicking them off of kind of Dom Gallimini's original Hero chart. So it's it's cool to see him get hired um, with the Sabers, and I mean that's a just a, but yeah, it, it's a, well. And, and I was going to say, I think that the Sabers now with both Sam and Dom are, I mean, among probably the just the two of them now are probably the top five analytics team or whatever you want to call. It, I would say. I mean, obviously we don't know everything about it, but I they're two of the, two of the smartest hockey minds, or at least you know from a statistical. Um, standpoint and, and Sam has been with the Penguins for I don't know for six years five years um, but anyway we, we I guess that we've now covered we've now covered our our, our check-in on the Sabres our weekly yes, check-in weekly, on the weekly check-in check yeah yes. so which <laughs> as they, had, hard, they as, didn't have the best week nope uh, you know we we watched a couple of their games and they uh, uh, Darlene had a real rough game against um who did they the empty netter yeah, yeah the empty netter and you know <laughs> just another classic uh image uh floating around but overall i think it is funny to look at vegas's um cap friendly page right now because their projected cap hit is 92.5 million <laughs> with an 11 million projected ltir use so they have zero cap space right now and that's with um and their injured long-term injured list right now is eichel stone and patch uh, along with bischoff um and their total cap on injuries is 27.2 million right now <laughs> so it's funny to think about okay i mean vegas you're right sean vegas has done this it's kind of like we're gonna go and we're gonna get good players and you know they signed petrangelo they traded for stone they got patch ready i mean they just added a bunch of really good players but at a certain point it's kind of interesting to think about like i don't really know they're gonna have to trade i would think some a pretty big contract and they also are without uh william carlson right now i mean they and they're still at zero cap, so it's just kind of interesting to think about what like was, when Michael does come back. In what was March. Tuck's contract? I missed that. I don't. Uh, I didn't. He get. He paid? had like three something. It's like four point seven five, four seven five for the uh, until okay. twenty five twenty six. So yeah, yeah. That's a. Uh, I mean, that's a. You know, they moved some cap, but like Eichel's what ten million? Yeah. The so, interesting like, idea to me with this, if they had to trade somebody away, Riley Smith has one year left right are yeah. they sort of like a seller at the deadline even if they're going to try to compete here i mean i kind of like, got trade smith away as like a rental yeah i yeah. mean they also but have Braden, a big contract yeah i mean Braden mcnab is on his last year at 2.5 as well but and that's then, not yeah. i mean you have you have riley smith yeah riley smith at five million matthias janmark yeah and then i mean they have a couple other players but really those are the two that are up they have several rfas um, like Keegan Colasar, uh, Nick Wa- Nicholas Waugh. Um, that's how you pronounce that, right? It's not Roy. <laughs> <laughs> it's Waugh. It's Waugh. Are you right coming to I knew. Montreal? I knew. I knew. Um, Are we coming to Montreal? Yeah. For what? What my, do we go to Montreal? Returns. Your return to Montreal? My return. I haven't been two years. I'm very excited to go back. We've never been to Montreal. The only place in, in Canada, well, we've actually been to a couple places in Canada. We've been to Ottawa. And You've been we, in Minnesota, Wisconsin, <laughs> Wisconsin, Upper Peninsula, the same thing. Michigan. We have been into Canada, north of Minnesota, in the Boundary Waters. So that's another part of Canada that we've been into. But um, yeah, we went to the the um, the uh, what mythical Winnipeg Airport. Yeah, it doesn't uh, exist, but we somehow went somehow there. made it through there, and then <laughs> we s- stood in line and for three hours at the Toronto Airport, transferring oh. back from Ottawa. That was insane. The Toronto Airport was. We just had an. Uh, absolute awful experience in toronto we you know all i wanted to do is we had a five-hour layover or something to to cat to go back to minneapolis and all and it took us four hours i just wanted to get a beer and some food when we got there and we barely had time to get any food but anyway uh to to finish up on the tuck 
uh, Eichel trade or the Eichel talk trade. I, I think it's a, uh, it's interesting. I'm kind of, I think it's actually about, it's kind of, for me, feels fairer than I was expecting. I thought it was going to like, Buffalo was really going to have to like, you know, was going to come out of this looking like not great. Now, obviously we don't really know what Eichel's future is. It seems like the surgery that they, that he wants to have is, you know, um, pretty, uh, what, maybe unmatched. It doesn't seem like there's been a player who's had a similar surgery, although I'm not a doctor. Uh, I'm also not a lawyer. We've, we're starting to cover the things that I'm not. I yes. Think, as we keep we, that's, doing I think this, this is a good, a good end to this segment <laughs> about, about the Eichel tuck trade, but it'll be interesting. I just want to see Eichel and Mark Stone play. That's what I, I just want to, yeah. you know, but uh, yeah, it would be fun to, to see that. Yeah. But um, I mean, you know, other, other than that, what else is going on? Well, should, or, we, should we introduce the yeah, podcast? John? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're like 15 minutes into this now, buddy. I know. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> that's, that's what we do with these informal, these informal introductions. We need to just get a standard introduction. But anywho, this is the Evolving Hockey Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm joined by Josh and Luke Youngren. Hey, Sean. I'm Josh. Hi, Sean. I'm Luke. Yeah. Voice recognition. Voice recognition. So people can, again, we're going to do this every week, I suppose. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, 15 minutes into the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. No, no pizza shop for me tonight. No pizza um, shop. Just gonna chill out here. You get him to sponsor us yet? No, no, I did not. <laughs> Failure. Did I, did I say on this podcast they gave us a free pizza? I think you just. Told I told us you. That. Yeah. yeah, but you didn't did give us a free pizza. Podcast. You acted like that was something that we you got because of the podcast, but you just got a free pizza. At no, a restaurant. I was just mentioning to you that they gave <laughs> us a free pizza. We showed up there. This is like, uh, so this was for Game Six. So whenever the Braves won. Okay. Uh, I don't know when that was. Was it like? Thursday night? Everything's Tuesday blending night? together. Tuesday funny. night. Anywho. Um, yeah, so we, we went to the pizza shop, and it was, like, dead, <laughs> as pizza <laughs> shop is on a Tuesday night. And uh, we showed up at, like, 9, and they closed at, like, 10. So, um, yeah, the guy just gave us, like, a free pizza, and we went to another place to watch the Braves game. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Great. Awesome. So exciting awesome. stuff. Over we didn't yeah. even talk about so, the, the Leafs won five in a row. They've won five in a row. Did they? Don't jinx it, bud. <laughs> I'm totally They're doing well. They're it. doing well. They they handled this this week well, beating yeah. well, Vegas is like an AHL team right now. They'd lost the to the Red Wings uh tonight. <laughs> um and yeah, they they uh put a, a smacking to Tampa and the Bruins. Yes. Yeah. I was gonna look at I, I always check in on the uh Somebody does a graphical standings on uh, on Reddit that it's kind of nice to track. Oh, Why don't we just do that? Well, we should. I don't know, Luke. <laughs> like you know, we've been you've been you've been dragging your feet. I've been on dragging this. my feet. I haven't been dragging anything. <laughs> Excuse you. I'm but, working uh, hard over here. There was the, also the battle of uh, Carolina and and uh, and and Florida took place, right? Sean, did you watch that game? I did not. That happened last night, right? Or yesterday? I think yes, so. yes, 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 yes. It was because Lomberg Lomberg like destroyed Ronta. Yeah. It Man, is. If you saw that, uh, I did. Yeah. Well, I I did. I just noted when we were doing our injury updates that Ronta was hurt, uh, so I, I saw that he was out. But um, it is kind of interesting to look at this because it it does seem like I was kind of comparing, thinking about how how the divisions so far are shaking out compared to like our preseason, like what we had talked about in the podcast about like where the the divisions were going to be. The Metro right now, I think every team is either um, at zero or a positive, like yeah, uh, in terms of their like. Um, they're like points percentage, like over 50%, which really does line up with what we said, I think, heading into the season. But, um, like, I feel like the 
Actually, I feel like actually pretty much every one of these divisions is kind of in line. Except, oh, actually, I think the Atlantic right now is so far underperforming, like pretty underwhelming overall. But there's definitely some. It looks like some rebound cases right now in the uh, the Leafs, Tampa, and I don't know your your Bruins, Sean. They're they're hovering right around fifty percent in their points percentage. I don't know what's going. Although Bergeron had like a he had four. Goals. He scored four, six games, four goal six, night. Six goals. The the Red Wings. only four. Yeah, it was only only four. And uh, but, so anyway, I was just somewhat uh, it, it's kind of interesting. I think that we're still um, the Kraken are not doing well, Luke, and our our, our nope. Our, uh, <laughs> I don't know. They're still struggling. And, and uh, I don't know We're I, it was funny. I, I, I pulled out our chart of um, I, it's way too early to do this, but comparing kind of current point percentages to our projected or all of the public models projected points percentage um, just to kind of look at where everything was and. Uh, the spread of, I mean, the Coyotes have five. They have a five percent point percentage so far. They've gotten one point out of twenty. Yeah, but they beat points. the they beat the Kraken. I know they beat the Kraken. This was two nights, or was it last night that they did? It was last night. Yeah. So it's, well, it's people are too listening early to really this, kind of say anything ago, about. But... Uh, I think some of the teams, but so far I think the divisions uh, are kind of shaking out to be in line with what we thought. I think heading into the the season. Oilers. Oilers have really surprised. I think me. I mean, I guess, you know, I shouldn't. I think kind of everybody. Yeah, but, yeah. like, this is, you know, I think we were talking about McDavid and, and, and Dreisaitl are having a fantastic start to the season. Um, no one could have seen that. No one could coming. have seen it coming. <laughs> I think I think the big the big thing with the Oilers there, I haven't really watched them, is Zach and Pugliarvi have been, like, superb when I've watched them. Zach is, like, way up in our in our numbers, and I think Pugliarvi is as well. Pliarvi just looks like a different player. He's playing really well. Yeah, yeah. and then they also have a uh, who was it? Um, I think Bouchard is having a really good year. Yeah, as Evan well. Bouchard. Yeah, uh, who I think I didn't really know. I don't know. I oh, and then Zach Hyman. Yeah, that's what Sean yeah. said that. Well, this is, oh, what, I, this is what Sean says the first name of a player and then assumes that we oh, know. Oh, you said Zach? He said Zach. How am yeah. I supposed well, to be white? Zach, Zach is still a Toronto Maple Leaf to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we were joking. Pliarvi, you know. Yeah, it is what it is. I'll call by his last name. It, it is yes. interesting. I was looking at this because I did tweet about, uh, and I I saw it going around a couple days before uh, was McDavid and Drysaddle's, um, and and Oilers, the Oilers power play and sp- specifically is just kind of performing at both historic and I would probably say unsustainable levels, yeah. but also like well, it probably is say McDavid. it's absolutely unsustainable. I know, but it's funny to look at like our our the current makeup of what is like driving. McDavid and Drysaddle's like overall value from our Gar and Xgar models, and McDavid has added um, like a goal high more in his power play value than he has in his even strength offensive value from our Xgar model, which is really interesting to think about. And and I think that that's he's actually added he's more added more value on the power play than he has uh, uh, at even strength according to our model, which I think is crazy. I've never I don't know if I've really seen that kind of yeah, value I mean, from a power just, play. They've just had an insane start to their like to on their power play i don't even know like what the traditional power play percentage is but their goal scoring rate is like i think i i figured it was like what are they scoring like over a goal per game it, or it's like almost it's like uh, almost two goals per game on the power play or something like that and they're yeah. generating like an extremely high rate of expected goals for just even now i know it's only been like 10 games or whatever but like yeah i mean i think that we like i think our original projections were probably much lower on them but I don't know. We'll have to see what happens with the rest of the season, um, and 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 I'm not sure what their schedule kind of looks like. But 
they yeah they've they've jumped up pretty considerably considering our our first initial team projection so that's kind of yeah because what have they you know, what have they popped up from since we I think we had them at like 96 95 to start and now they're at like 102 or 103 yeah so i mean yeah they've probably they've gained like five or six points above what we would expect at this point i think it might or be what like we projected seven, i know there were some other models that were much higher on the oilers so i don't know <laughs> yeah well you know that's our brand right you know yeah. little low. we just hate the oilers that's our brand <laughs> even though we do manage to talk i feel like so far we've managed to talk most episodes about the sabers the leaves <laughs> And the Oilers. The Oilers. And I, the Sabres, <laughs> I think, is going to have to be a recurring bet here because of our... Uh, well, we need, a, we need to show some love to some other teams. We haven't even talked about the Wild at all. We don't need to, though. We have, well, we they're on right about now. the Red Wings. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, well, you know the, what? That's, that's a good good segue into... I, we added rookie filters to Evolving Hockey. So yes. you can go check the uh, Calder leaderboards on, on all... All types of different stats. We got Gar, X-Gar, Rapham. But yeah, no, Lucas Raymond. Faceoffs. Yeah, faceoffs. <laughs> you can see, yeah. Who who are the rookie faceoff leaders? Hold on, give me a minute. Uh, Talk me... amongst yourselves. <laughs> Don't look at rookie faceoff numbers, Luke. Caulfield? <laughs> Caulfield? <laughs> but Raymond is still leading, although uh, uh, currently both the, the two leaders in, in rookie Gar. Uh, also, just if you do want to look for the rookies, uh, it's we Luke has added it under a drop-down labeled status. So it defaults to all, which is all players, but it now has a rookie option. So if you just want to filter to rookies. Um, but the two leaders in uh, in GAR for rookies right now are on are, are, are Red Wings. It's uh, Lucas Raymond, who's got uh, four GAR right now. And then uh, Moritz Sider. I've never heard of that player, but he is... Uh, are you kidding me? No, I've never heard of... I don't know who that was That was like Eisenman's first pick. Yeah, I like he, like, again. A, is the eighth overall? I I sure sounds right. I don't know, but if if you want <laughs> if you want to know, it was uh, like it was a big thing at the time. Do you want if you want to know the leaders in uh, rookie faceoff differential? No, I don't want to know the leaders. Jasper in Weatherby. I do. What Who? Jasper Weatherby plays for San Jose. Uh, San Jose, yeah. He's the only really rookie with like a you know every other rookie is pretty much negative. Yeah, uh, which makes sense and doesn't matter. So, give <laughs> rather be the Calder. So, yeah, but who was who was like going into the season? Was I mean I feel like Raymond was kind of the one that people were calling no. as like an early no. Is that so, not? So I was writing about this in our newsletter. So okay, I do have it. It was Caulfield as the favorite. Okay, which now uh, that has like yeah, um, and I think Zegris was second, and then maybe Spencer Knight was third. If I'm going off the top of my head, Raymond kind of came out of nowhere. Not okay, necessarily yeah. nowhere, but I don't think people foresaw. He's having a very, very good rookie season. I, if, if it ended right now, I would make him the uh, the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but we're we got ten games here. I know. So when it's really, it's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really interesting actually looking at our X car model because we kind of get a breakout of where. And a lot of the time with some of these, I like to just check early season results to see if the shooting component is adding a lot of value to a player because I think that's kind of like Kopitar right now is just having kind of an incredible kind of bender in terms of shooting value added, which is not always the most sustainable thing especially for a player like Kopitar who hasn't historically been I don't think known for really like a a really you know good shot but yeah Lucas Raymond just kind of adding value from all like 
he he's positive in in the in the, the Fenwick rates, the quality component, the shooting component, and the penalties component. So like he's just kind of all around having a good start to the season, which is really interesting, especially for a rookie. I think generally with rookies, you see, you know, you kind of well specifically there's a certain player type for young young players like that where they're you know kind of all offense and then they kind of seem to get a little bit more uh or they 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 start to add a little bit more value defensively but a lot of the time you'll have really high shooting performance from some you know call their favorites or whatever but yeah Lucas Raymond is kind of performing well overall I would say which is pretty interesting um but yeah but that Red Wings team kind of kind of surprising I know they're they've kind of fallen off a little bit now but yeah that's yeah cool. and they're 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 still kind of uh I mean, they're higher than we would have. I think that because yes. we had them as a, I mean, fourth or fifth worst team heading into the season, and I think they're now kind of more. They're still like bottom third, I think, but they're oh, higher. Yeah. They're higher than they're more, a little higher. Yeah, I will say also among rookies, uh, I don't know. Well, I don't know the, the Arizona's goalie, uh, Carol Ve- Vemelka. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a hard name. I, I haven't uh, heard it spoken. He's, he, he's maybe in the. I don't know. He, he's not. Raymond is still higher, but in terms of the, I, I know in Arizona is probably not going to get covered like this, and he's but he's kind of in there. He's I, I would say he's maybe second or third right now among rookies if we compare Garb among skaters and goalies. So somebody also to keep an eye out uh, on. Although I think uh, the Coyotes are really riding that tank. Oh yeah, you know. Oh but, yeah, uh, to straight to the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> So you guys want to take a quick break, and then we did some mailbag questions this week. We'll hit some mailbag questions for the second half. Yeah, yeah sounds great. I'm excited. I got to research. Yeah, we our, got a our sponsor paid a lot of money for the segment, so <laughs> yeah, they, they, they asked a question, and they didn't get in last week because yeah. of our short and technical uh, issues. So we got to do extra content. Yeah. I will say that we're. I mean, I don't know. I hope I don't. Uh, we stop recording, and then I see that there's some issue, but we. We did fix our technical issues, so there hopefully shouldn't be any. Uh, we didn't even mention them at the beginning of the season, but uh, or beginning of this season, beginning of the episode. Um, but yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Evolving Hockey Podcast is brought to you by EvolvingHockey.com, your home for advanced NHL statistics on the web. When you become a subscriber to EvolvingHockey.com, you gain access to such evaluation tools as NHL goals above replacement, regularized adjusted plus minus, skater contract projections, visualizations, charts, and much more. Visit Evolving-Hockey.com slash login today to become a subscriber. All right, so now we'll get to our mailbag question now that our lovely sponsor is satisfied. Oh, the with, best. Uh, They're the best. With their segment. They had a, yeah, we, we got an angry email from them after last week when we didn't have our sponsor. I emailed Josh. Yeah, Luke emailed me. <laughs> Even though we're I'm very, the We're very lucky, lucky that they stuck with us. <laughs> so we'll start out here with Allison, who said, long time, first time. Why do you love my Eberly puns, and why are they the best? Wow, what a great question. I know. Right off the bat. Uh, so, Allison, thank you for the question. Thank you for the question, Allison. This is Allison Lucan, who is the uh, – uh, what's her official title with the Kraken? Is she a writer? She writes for NHL, President, right? CEO. President, CEO, yeah. <laughs> As is deserved. Data-driven uh, storyteller focused on hockey at Seattle Kraken contributor and analyst at Root Sports. Yeah, yeah. So, Which she, has been great to see Allison on the broadcast. Ben killing it's been it this awesome. Year. Um, Allison's but great. For those who don't know, Allison has made a few uh, puns around Jordan Eberle's name. And the last one, which Sean, I don't think said you had seen it, but 
she said um, instead of celebrate, she wrote seberlate on on <laughs> on a tweet, which I at initially had trouble. You get it, Sean? You look you looked confused. Yeah, you look confused, Sean. <laughs> She switched around a couple letters and it looked like Everly's last name in celebrate. Everly, Everly's last name. And not... I, I would love to say that I love the tweets, but it, it, I don't particularly. I, they're great. You know what? They're great. They're perfect. I love them. Uh, I think they, they do wonders for the Kraken. Yeah, you guys look like pun kind of guys. Incredible content. <laughs> I look like a pun kind of guy. Like, like I don't know. I know people can't see you. But, like, if there's anybody that looks like they would really like puns as jokes, I feel like it would be you guys. That's just so just, random. Yeah, it feels that, like a really end of I don't think you've made a single pun on this. Yeah. But it just, there's not, you feel like pun guys. <laughs> I feel like pun guys. guys. All right. On to the next question. On That's enough. Not, we're not even responding with Sean. Uh, giving yeah. Sean an answer we won't here. dignify that with a um, response. So the I, I had a question I thought was, it, it's a very, there's a lot we could talk about, but it was from Jordan Fortnay. Um, on Twitter, it was, do you pay attention to metrics developed for other sports? Are they potentially points of inspiration for metrics used to describe hockey? Oh, that's a good question. We had a lot of good questions this week. I, I think I'll probably I'll, I'll try to answer this one. So, um, yeah, we do definitely pay attention to other sports. Um, I mean, first of all, most of our metrics are based on other methods that were developed in other sports. So, like, Rapham, for instance, is from basketball, um, and the method we basically followed was Brian McDonald's original papers. Um, and he based those off of um, the original basketball method for RAPM, which is a little simpler in basketball because it, everything's at five on five. There's not different strength states. So you just, I mean, except for, I think, extreme rare situations where you have weird fouls things. I don't know. There was a college game. I think the, the University of Minnesota was in where they were down a player. <laughs> but Wait, that, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that happened. But anyway, so uh, <laughs> that happens, I, can't, I think very rarely in basketball like extremely rarely but no um yeah so our our RAPM method is is very heavily I mean it was developed for basketball and it I think personally it actually works a little bit better for hockey because you have so many different shifts which gives you an incredible number of you'd call observations um in the actual model which is um which which makes for a much more robust um final product because you have so many different lines that are in players that are playing against each other the model has a lot more um to kind of compare each player with i guess if i'm putting in that's not exactly how it works but anyway but yeah so basketball are the rapm methods i think um they first started out with adjusted plus minus which was by i think i'm looking at this is the evolving hockey references page that we have great page by the great way. page yeah. dan dan rosenbaum and then um I already and bars I don't know I can never pronounce these they in 2008 they kind of and then Joseph Sill actually added the regularized part to that in 2010 I think there was a Sloan paper so yeah and so our RAPM methods are based on basketball um, obviously war was a method developed in in um, uh, in baseball and we kind of follow the framework for how that works as well so you're kind of converting um, your 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 converting everything into a common currency, quote-unquote. Um, and in baseball, it's runs, which then gets converted into wins. And that's kind of done by a um, conversion, which is a... Well, there's a couple different ways to do it, but um, the way we actually... And the way we actually convert goals into standing points and wins is we borrowed from a method for that was developed for soccer because they have standing points as well. And that's you use a linear regression um, where you're... 
it's not really predicting anything. You're just finding the relationship between goals um, for per team per season to the number of standing points they had. And you take the coefficient from that um, that results from that linear regression. And that's the conversion from goals to standing points. And we do the same thing for wins. So, yeah, we try to keep up on a lot of different um, other sports and the methods that they're using. Um, we haven't I haven't. I mean, that was kind of the first thing we like when we were first starting to develop a lot of these methods, we would just read constantly. Yeah. So like the fan graphs glossary is incredible. And there's a lot of old like um, forum stuff and just kind of like dis- discourse or discussions but, about it, basketball, and, RPM and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I, we I was going to say also that. not even just the models, but also the, the maybe some of the approaches as well. Like our one of the first things we did, we've talked about this before, but our agent curve article that we wrote for hockey graphs way back when I think it was like four years ago. We used, uh, I think it was Mitchell Lickman's um, approach for uh, like kind of the, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Delta method. The, yeah, the Delta method, comparing kind of year to year trends for by by age or by player, you know. So and that was all baseball. So actually, Luke and I were we grew up baseball fans. Um, this is you know every episode we reveal our lack of knowledge about certain aspects of hockey because <laughs> we didn't really become hockey fans until we were into our. Uh, uh, I guess around 20 or so, but um, yeah, a lot of the baseball stuff is uh, it, it's a very similar. And even I actually think like there are a lot of interesting um, aspects uh, around like expected war. I, I, baseball has had this kind of talk about this with this, with the stat cast data that they have. Um, I haven't seen a lot of it um, recently, but there, there were some really interesting and applicable thoughts around that, which I think is also um, something that's that, that it's comparable to like the player tracking data that we're, you know, I don't know if we're going to see, but yeah, I'm not anyway, sure. so that's, uh, yeah. yes, there are a lot of really great metrics in other sports. I actually think it's almost uh, just as important to pay attention and read um, about the metrics in other sports it is to read about what's being do- done in hockey. At least for, for our purposes. Yes, for our... But <laughs> you don't have to read anything. Yeah, but for, yeah. <laughs> for us. It's, the things think, we're trying to do, I think do, it's yeah. very valuable, so... Yes. So I guess we'll move on to the, to the next question here. Why do you think superstar-loaded teams dominate in the regular season only to get embarrassed in the playoffs? Do the analytics tell you anything about this? Well, yeah, we and I think it it's a bit of a um, there's a couple angles here I think that's important to clarify. But um, I, I think there's even just the premise of the question that like Edmonton was a I guess maybe what they're talking about is superstar like teams. They did a, put I'll, I'll interrupt here. They did put Edmonton and Toronto in parentheses. Here. Yeah. Yes. So which is so what apparently was, yeah Tampa. Well, Tor- not Toronto's <laughs> cursed. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess t- it, it, there's there's a, kind of a lot of aspects here. I think one of the things specifically with Edmonton in recent years is, yes, they've had McDavid and Drysaddle, but in the last two seasons, I think they've had some of the worst depth in the NHL. Um, I think specifically last year in the playoffs, they had the worst bottom six forward group among our models. Like, I mean, everything that we looked at. And I think it's very difficult in hockey to – win when you have you know even if you have the best player or best like I don't know arguably like two of the best three or five players in the league when McDavid and Dreisaitl they're only playing uh, you know even in the you know at most like less than 50 percent of the game so you have to rely on a lot of other players as well Um, I would say also the the kind of obvious thing here is that the playoffs um, are very random especially in hockey and that it's it's uh there there just aren't um it, I don't know. Embarrassed, I guess, is maybe just because they were expected to win and they lost. I, I think with Toronto, they have been kind of embarrassed because they can't make it out of the first round, even though they're 
been pretty good. Not to hate on the Leafs here, but um, I don't know. I think I think in general, it's 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 more that certain teams like like what you said, Sean, is Tampa is a good example of a team that had superstars, but also had depth that really I think helped them um, just be more consistent and not have to rely on a group of players when their superstars weren't on that maybe were below average or were replacement level, which is kind of what Edmonton I think has had to deal with in the last uh, year or two. Um, just kind of uh, on a, a very high level view of that team, I suppose. So I would make the answer extremely, just way more broad, <laughs> which one Edmonton hasn't dominated a season. Maybe this yeah, season yeah, yeah. will dominate because they're out to a great start. Um, but it's like you have a much larger sample in the regular season. And then the playoffs, it comes down to a seven game series. You make it extremely random. Yeah. Right? Even yeah. if you're a good team. Yeah. Um, you just make it extremely random over a longer period of time. The best teams will come to the top. The worst teams will fall to the bottom in a short period of time. Even the Buffalo Sabres could possibly <laughs> win a seven game series. Yeah. And like, yeah. I mean, that's just kind of the North American sport culture too, that we, I guess, kind of love, right. It's yeah. just the randomness and, um, well, it's the entertainment. So, I mean, too, I think that's right? just the easiest answer there, yeah. especially with, when you want to come back to like a number standpoint or be able to back up your point a seven game series in the NHL Michael Lopez who now works for the NFL did this analysis back maybe 2019 or 2018 yeah um a seven game series in the NHL is equivalent to a one and uh is equivalent to a 51 game series in the NBA yeah so that's quite the drastic difference no absolutely and uh, yeah I I I should have maybe led off with that instead of talking well, yeah. about depth in Edmonton. Well, I and it also I think Sean we've we've talked me, about yeah. this before with kind of the uh, the strong link weak link thing. We talked about that several episodes ago about how you know kind. Of, but Josh covered that too. Is about how um, it's it's just it's not like the NBA where like your top players are playing eighty percent of the game or whatever. Like or they're more, you know or way. more or I mean like you have your top five best players who are going to be playing like. 70 to 80 percent of the game or whatever in hockey it's like you know forwards only play at most you know 25 minutes which is not like 40 40 percent something like that so and and you have you know 18 skaters or whatever so it's you know it's just it's a lot more um depth plays a lot more of a part in hockey than I think a lot of people think a lot though at, at least especially from how I've heard about narratives a lot of a lot of you know it seems like the media kind of has these narratives about, oh, you need a number one center and a top defenseman, which is like, yeah, I mean, that'd be nice to have, but, like, you you need a lot of other good players, too, to, <laughs> to win the champions. Like, you can't just say, oh, well, we're getting a number one center, and that's going to solve all our issues. It's like there's a lot more that goes into it, and I think that's kind of why we see teams like the Avalanche where they – you know, and even even like I mean the Lightning, but like the Avalanche specifically, like they have a lot of really really good depth players, and that's one of the reasons they've been so good is because you know they have depth players that they don't have to pay very much who are very good, and they might not be good from a traditional like point standpoint, but from kind of more of a you know a deeper look into it, you can kind of find value there and 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 build a very good team with depth players. But yeah, yeah. 
Why not? I so I'll, maybe the next move yeah, on to another question. Next one. Next yeah, because I had one that I thought was a good one that Sean maybe has more insight into than we do. I think he's done some work on this, but this is from Carlin Carpenter. Um, he asks, uh, I'm a soccer analytics slash analysis guy. One of the biggest issues in my sport is how to evaluate defensive players, i.e. defenders who accumulate lots of particular actions, tackles, interceptions, are always rated higher. Does this ha- issue happen in hockey, Any, um, and, and how is it adjusted? Um, which I think is kind of an interesting thought into evaluating defense. I know, Sean, you've written about, like, or you've watched, like, I mean, I remember you watched Nachushkin, but you watched the game. Yeah, you watched the game, unlike <laughs> Luke and I. But yeah, I you know. watched that one game. That one I was time. curious if, like, some of your work, Sean, if you've like noticed anything in terms of like that, maybe even goes so, against like how we evaluate defense, like on our side or something like that. So I think, well, so in this tweet particularly, it says defenders who accumulate lots of particular actions, tackles, and interceptions. We don't even have that like granular, yeah. little, granular. I'm just, I'm just granular, granular. My tongue, my tongue just didn't work there for a second. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know we don't even have that those events t- uh, tracked. Um, those like events, I guess, would be like block shots and maybe hits that are takeaways. Like yeah. the, the yeah. NHL kind of tracks. So we really don't even have the luxury of having those or like stick that checks get or into something that like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. I think in some ways they don't matter. Our stuff, what we have in the public here, really is just sort of the, I guess, measurement of what doesn't happen, right? Because it largely comes from a volume standpoint and a quality standpoint, and it's entirely shot-based. I don't think that there's you'll find anything in which, even if you got to that level, in which a certain play style is necessarily um, better than any other but i think you would see the um urge to favor those types of players i think when mike kelly was trying to defend dry really poor defensive efforts a couple years ago he'd point to like um i think it was like individual uh he'd break up possessions or lose puck recoveries i don't remember exactly but there are a lot of individual stats here um that he was much higher in but at the same time if you're aggregating a lot of these events it's usually because you're chasing the puck and then there's nothing it doesn't necessarily tell you that you're doing anything particularly well or or poor it's it's purely a, a team effort most teams play a zone defense which involves multiple layers of support and even in a man-to-man uh your second quick is important and um i think there's always that urge to get to those stats but um even if we want if we get there i think we'd get to the point where we'd still sort of stick with the shot based stuff yeah yeah i think it's just better you're trying to it's it's difficult task because you're trying to measure something that doesn't happen and by looking at frequency of events that happen it's just um it's not good yeah well and i think the thing for for, I mean, that we do, at least for a lot of our methods, we kind of use um, more aggregate stats. So it, that's what what kind of our RAPM or, or our XGAR models would do, which are then it's kind of combining all of that stuff into one value. So you don't really have different, you know, um, kind of uh, what was the tweet, the um, kind of tackles or interceptions or in hockey, like stick checks or, you know, whatever you want to call those, like, you know, uh, any type of more advanced type of 
individual stats like that, like that would be like, say we had that, we would be building that into an expected goals model, um, which would then be put into an RAPM model. So we, that would all be adjusted. Um, or it wouldn't be adjusted. It would just be incorporated into the XG model, which would then be fed into the RAPM model. So, and a lot of the time those are being like specifically for our GAR and XGAR models, those are, um, those are converted into average per position. So it's like per forward, per defenseman, and, and it's everything is relative to the, the average forward and then adjusted to replacement level. So it, you're, we're kind of doing it more in a, in a different way. So, and, and a lot of the time when I, when I see these kind of more um, like, I don't know, poke checks or anything like that where they're displaying that on a broadcast, it's kind of, I've always found it to be a little bit, well, I just don't really know what that means because it's like I don't have a frame of reference for what is good and none of that is adjusted for teammates or anything. So it's kind of like just looking at raw, you know, I mean, we talked about this last week, but just raw giveaways or raw takeaways. It's like, well, you know, or, or anything like that. It's like, well, there's there's no adjustment for teammates or competition. So it's it's kind of hard to really get a gauge on what that means and where the impact is and how, how that actually can be interpreted i guess and it's kind of a similar thing to also like zone entries or um i guess zone exits as well is i think ultimately what we've all been kind of saying is that i i think we prefer to have look at like the end result so like the end result being either a goal or a shot or um something that contributes to like what the actual value of the sport is or whatever so um i think it's important to keep in mind that like we should be uh, thinking of these smaller, I don't know, micro stats or whatever you want to call them, which is, I think, kind of what we would be talking about here um, as being connected to like actually something that is driving performance from a team or is helping a team win, which is kind of, I think that's what we talked about earlier with war in baseball is like, you know, getting it down to the common currency about how you win a game. That's kind of like the whole idea um, as well. So maybe next question, I don't know if you guys have any more preferences here. But I think this question is good. Have you looked at PDO data enough to say whether good teams will have greater than 100 and bad teams will have less than 100? And by how many? Uh, there's something fishy about this trope that teams regress to 100, but I'm too lazy to do that analysis. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'll fin- and to finish this off. And why does it mean the Blackhawks will get better? <laughs> Um, I don't know. PDO is just we talked we talked about this last week, didn't we? Yes. I don't, did I, we? I, I don't know. PDO is just like a weird we thing. It's like it it's just kind of that over a long enough. I think the idea is that over a long enough sample size, every team will kind of regress towards um, you know the the mean, right? So if if the mean is is I don't even know if that's true anymore. If it is a hundred, it probably is close to a hundred, but. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. (laughs) Why wouldn't the mean be 100? (laughs) What? But, but I think this is, so anyway, so PDO is, as we talked about, it's just shooting percentage plus save percentage. Player driven uh, offense. It's a made up stat. It doesn't (laughs) really mean anything. It's not. It came from a HF boards or something like that. I know. Anyway, back in the day. We actually didn't get to this because we had technical issues. It was the, I was going to say this. It was a. I think the person who came up with it, it was like a handle they used when playing Counter Strike, and they used it on these like forums for like Counter Strike. That anyway, it doesn't matter. It's basically a made up stat. It doesn't mean anything, but it's become something that people are familiar with, really. So I think 
at one point in time, this was a stat that was widely used that you can no longer find on our website. You could do it manually. Yeah. But you yeah. can no longer find it. Or you couldn't you could never in the first yeah, place I don't find think we it ever on had it. <laughs> evolving hockey. Um so it's a little outdated. And one of the reasons it's outdated is because, yes, good teams will generally be greater than 100 and bad teams will generally be less than 100, even over a longer sample size, because shooting talent exists and then yeah. goaltending, right? Yes. So those, the reason PDO is initially a good thing is that, well, regressing to the mean is that is basically just saying that it's unlikely that these extreme events will continue and you'll come back to more normally observed events, which will then, over a larger sample size, bring you back towards 100. It's not saying that it's going to come back to 100. Um, you know, a team like Tampa, for example, who has good shooters and then has good goaltending has and will probably continue to be over a 100 PDO and a team like the Arizona Coyotes who does not have good shooters and does not have good goaltending will stay below 100. But I would imagine not looking at this, that Arizona has a really low PDO right now. And that, I don't know, um, Carolina, uh, who's towards the top of the standings has a really high PDO and yes, their shooting and goaltending will probably come back more towards you know more frequently observed events but there's no sort of power that's bringing them back to 100 yeah and like i mean just to kind of like get an idea you can look at over the last three seasons just like on our site like we have all situations shooting percentage and save percentage right next to them each other on the, just the standard teams page and like over well not including this year but the three prior seasons the lightning are like 101.5 pdo and so i mean yeah, that might that's not super high, but like over a long enough sample, it's they're going to be above 100 because they've won a lot. <laughs> like their goal differential is really good. So, and they're a very good team, you know, so they're going to have a high PDO yeah, and I think so that I, doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to just because they're above 100, it's going to come down to 100. It's like, yeah, they might get a little closer, but it's not like a guaranteed thing. Well, and and I think the other thing, too, is that there are, I think with PDO and, and thinking about just like this kind of blanket idea of regression for all teams in a similar manner, like, Sean, you kind of covered it, but like certain teams just have better shooters. Like, I mean, Austin Matthews on the Leafs means that like when the, you know, he, he just has, he's a better shooter than most people, most the best player the in best the league. Shooter. Best Austin shooter. Matthews. But like every, so like, and, <laughs> yeah. and teams that have, a lot of you know if like it is a specific thing that certain skaters are better at shooting than other skaters and so if teams have several of those skaters then you would expect just if you made a model that kind of looks at their previous shooting experience right like if they're way higher right they're going to come back down but also certain teams are going to have like you were saying with tampa they've they've vasilevsky same thing with winnipeg too not quite sure where winnipeg's been in like pdo or whatever but you know they have a really good goalie and they've had a really good goalie for you know for a while and so that's just going to really drive that as well and that doesn't necessarily mean that they've been getting unlucky or lucky it's that they just had a good goalie or had good shooters so i think and we i don't know we i feel like we're maybe somewhat kind of going over what we did last week but that was this was the reason why we have that goals plus minus kind of component is to look into where those things are being driven by and i i think that the idea of regression for every team in a similar manner um i don't necessarily think that's like the the correct way to think about it now i i do think the blackhawks are probably 
going to get you know better just because they have been um you know really really bad so far and generally a team that's you know I, same thing like I think the Coyotes aren't going to finish with like five points at the end of the year right <laughs> I mean that's just kind of how it works is that it's it, it it for a team being really 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 bad like they're not their results are definitely worse driven than, by yeah by yeah. luck by they're by worse just, than they should be yeah. if given because it's just you know what was the like the worst NHL team ever wasn't like a 75 Washington Capitals or something they were yeah. like I don't even know the the historical stats but yeah it's just uh yeah it it is it is um an interesting thought but also I think kind of regression to the mean always confused me that was always one of the things that was really funny I thought because it's you're talking about regression, but normally we talk about that like linear regression, and that's not what it is at all. So I feel like I should just use reversion to the mean. I think that's a better term for yeah, it. But probably rather is. than regression to the mean, because that's like I, I don't know. That always confused me. But anyway, anyway, we're yeah. getting off topic yeah. here. We I'll, have a, I'll read. I, I I don't know. We have a couple more. I don't know how much more time do we have. Oh, here. Sean Ferris asked a question. Why didn't you just tweet this from the <laughs> website's account? <laughs> Wait, <who's that>? uh, <laughs> it's a good great question sean great question sean we should have tweeted it we should have okay sorry. uh i what do we have time for like maybe one more probably one more pick a good one yeah uh let's see um on, i thought this see. was kind of interesting uh i don't know do we want to talk about xg and shot types or do we want to talk about ludifest <laughs> how many times a day do you eat ludifest sean do you know what ludifest is Absolutely no clue. Oh, you've never heard of Ludafis before. We won't spend too no. much time on this, but Ludafis. It's a Norwegian. This is our friend Andy on on Twitter. He's asking Andy us. McNeil. It, Andy McNeil. Uh, at um, Digital Gambler. Great uh, betting insight. Go follow him. Um, but Ludafisk is a traditional, uh, like, fish dish. It's that's, Norwegian. It's Norwegian. It's it's served in around Christmas in, in Minnesota and Wisconsin and kind of the northern central uh, U.S. United States where the, a lot of Scandinavian immigrants came from. And uh, I have had lutefisk. So, Sean, just what lutefisk is, it's, it's terrible. It's awful. <laughs> I can't believe you've never heard of lutefisk, Sean. You've got, you're taking like a minute and a half yeah, to is, get to it. You said it five time times. You're you said, you told me that it's Norwegian. It is. It's an old. It doesn't matter. It's just a cod. It's whitefish that they because in the early 20th century Norway was a very poor country and they used to preserve cod in lye and so the fish is like this. It's terrible, but it's. I a, already. I have yeah. an idea of it. I don't want. It's eat, like fish I've, jello. I've, I've had. Like I've had lutefisk once. I, it, I know it was, exactly what you're talking it was, about. It, it was awful, we, and so I, I don't have it. I have only had it once. But in our my grandparents life. built a fish. They our our, yeah. our, grandparents, our grandparents. They they insisted that. The lutefisk we had was it has to be prepared correctly. Yeah. That is what they would tell a us. A lot of the a lot of the older our older relatives from Norwegian and Swedish uh, uh, heritage eat lutefisk around Christmas. So uh, I was going to say, um, what was the one I was just looking at? Let's get one more good question here. Uh, I think um, uh, this. Okay, well, just I think we can talk about this because I think it's interesting. Um, from Cody Magnuson, um, shot type and distance are both factors in XG calculations, but is there any um, codependent adjustment for the former based on the latter, i.e. if shot A is 15 feet further than shot B, then XG goes down by Y, but intuitively the decrease should be larger for a backhanded uh, shot than a wrist shot. I'm not sure how significant the shot type variability is at impacting distance adjustments. My gut says it's non-zero, but it may be realistically insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Not sure if it's even been evaluated to my knowledge or if it's to ever your, been evaluated if it's ever been evaluated to your knowledge 
Um, so basically, I think the question is about how we handle um, shot types in the XG uh, or our expected goals model. We do include shot types because that's part of the public data. Um, I, I believe the shots are it, that NHL tracks are um, wrist shot, slap shot, backhand, S- snapshot, snapshot, wraparound, and deflection maybe yeah deflection i think is I one i think those are that i is it seven i think there might be seven one tips isn't tipping tip yeah. Yeah. deflection yeah it's uh, is it different so I, I i will i guess i can it answer is. this just because of the way that they're included so basically i think the question is about like if you take a backhand shot from 15 feet out versus a um like wrist shot. a wrist shot from 15 feet out is or or vice versa or from different distances how is that um accounted for and i, I would say that uh, generally, the from what I remember, the shot types are not as impactful as the distance. So a lot well, of they're it, not. No. What? They're n- no distance is by far yeah. the most important yes. thing in an XG I, I, model. I do think that um, in certain situations that wraparounds can be kind of weird, like also as well. But that's potentially a bias in yeah, scorekeeping. It, it is. But, yeah, but um, but yeah. So I, I think the the model is able to handle it. I mean, we as we've talked about this before, but we use a gradient boosting um, model, so it's able to kind of handle these nonlinear features and and have them uh, and, and the, the interaction they have with distance and angle and prior events. Um, so it, it the model does take into account shot type and distance and all of these things, and it theoretically should be adjusting for this based on. Um, you know, goal. I, I guess the you know uh, rate uh, at which that kind of shot was scored or, or, or became a goal in the past. Um, so I'm not sure if there was something else I'm over. Well, yeah, I think or... that the thing, unfortunately, is we since we're using and it's XG boost is what the model is. It's a yeah gradient boosting algorithm. Um, unfortunately, since we use that, we don't actually get. Um, traditional coefficients that you would get from a normal linear regression, or in this case, it would be logistic regression, where so we can't really interpret the impact that a backhand shot would have on goal probability versus a you know wrist shot or a slap shot, for instance. But it is accounted for in the model. It's a it's a variable that we're using to predict goal probability or to give an output of what we expect the goal to be so it is accounted for it's just based on the model we used you that's kind of one of the downsides of using that type of model is you can't really interpret um specifically that interaction like you would with a normal logistic or linear regression but yeah well but i don't think that's like isn't a question more or less not is shot type included it's that as you go further back on backhands for example that it'll have distance will have a greater effect oh they're codependent um well yeah so so uh that's kind of well one of the benefits of using xg boost is that um it doesn't assume everything is a linear relationship like a linear regression would so it's able to kind of model a um yeah like if it's if you're indicating in the model that it's a backhand shot the distance um is going to have a different um, kind of, I guess, decay on the right. impact than you would in a normal linear model, where you could say it would generally gonna is gonna be a straight line that decreases linearly. Um, but in a XG boost model, you probably get more of a. Um, you, uh, it would it wouldn't be it would be sloped. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. I, I, um, I suppose I, I I thought I maybe covered this but i think or a little bit but i maybe was a little bit unclear which is what sean's uh you know yes did. but yes yeah, that is that, <laughs> that's, what you're saying. yeah so that is, i speak yeah. i speak younger and yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, so sometimes you gotta get it out of you. So for um, uh, we presented at Columbus right before the pandemic shut everything down, but it was February 2020, and we for for our presentation, Luke and I built a bunch of different XG models that kind of all scaled in complexity just to kind of show this relationship. And so um, it is interesting because I think really the question is is um, a backhanded shot from 15 feet at versus a uh, a slap shot versus a wrist shot, like how does that XG value change kind of, I, I feel like, right? Like that's kind of just depending as distance on increases. as distance increases and, and vice versa. And I, um, I do think that there is a bit of a, like a backhanded shot generally, I, I believe if I remember correctly is has a lower XG value than a wrist shot or a slap shot. Uh, maybe not a slap. I don't know. I'd have to go and look at it, but yeah, yes, we it won't is. say anything about that. Cause I can't, it's been years yeah. since we, um, <laughs> yeah, but we are going to be, uh, this year and I don't know, maybe we can end on this, but, our, um, the XG model we use now, we will be redesigning this this season. It's not going to be like in production this season. The model that's on the site right now will be through the end of the season. But um, for beginning of next year, we should have a completely different structure for our XG model. Um, and we'll probably uh, – there's several things we need to address. Um, we also need to compl- – we're going to completely restructure it in terms of how it's – I don't know. Maybe we can. Do, I don't. I don't want to get too much in this, but we will have more information about this, and I will have a better way to answer this question. Yeah, these probably. are long-term plans. It's a very long process yeah, to redo this because it it's kind of the lifeblood of our entire website is the XG model. So yeah, when we redesign it, we have to then go back and update literally every single data source like every single table on the website has to get updated and then we have to redo our models so our rap model our gar model our xgar model all of these things have so to be redone, it's a so. <laughs> it's yeah. but but the idea being there's some things that we didn't um account for when we first made the model so for instance this has been pointed out to us but if you've ever seen a shot that's coming from behind the net that um we didn't realize at the time when we made the model because those are kind of they're not super common but a lot of the shots that come from behind the net have an extremely high xg value but that also corresponds to them being goals and essentially what happened there is it's um, shots that come from behind the net are only recorded as shots if they become goals. So, or if they look like or if they're they, a good Yeah, or chance. if they cause a chance that is going to be a higher scoring chance or a, a more dangerous scoring chance. So the reason that the shots that come from behind the net are so high in their XG value is because the scorekeepers – yeah – just repeat myself here, I guess, I'm, is that the scorekeepers record them as shots only when they are goals, essentially. So, I mean, a much more higher likely or like in much more higher rate than any other shot location. And so in the future, we need to we're going to be changing that to a, to deal with that. We're also going to probably be changing our um, rank drawing, because the, if you currently see on the site, the rank um, the way the NHL records the coordinates is kind of almost in a pure rectangle, um, but that's not actually how the, the the boards are shaped. So we're going to have to adjust those coordinates, and we also want to try to account for some type of rink adjustment, like scorekeeping bias in terms of like in the older years, it's not as big of a deal now, but everybody knows about the Madison Square Garden, and you know we occasionally get criticism about that. So that, it's just, just a very difficult let's thing just throw to throw out so anyway. the first three years. Let's not use the first yeah. one to three years, and there won't be any issues with it. No, I'm just kidding. But but well, yeah, we so could talk just about a little XG preview models about yeah. XG models. But yeah. that yeah, that's we, we we could talk about that forever. A nice little cherry yeah. uh, at the end of the uh, is just Luke and I rambling about expected goals models. Yes, and future plans. But is that is that it? What are we at? What's the time at? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. To... I don't know. It's been like 37 minutes on this segment. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, we should we should wrap it up then. So yeah, we should wrap it. It's up. been 
Mailbags are fun, though. You know, I, I like to answer questions about this stuff. And get Mailbags are fun. We didn't get to every question, which is sad. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll maybe we'll roll over one or two into like next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just the next episode will start with more mailbag questions. Yeah, but thank you everyone <laughs> who asked questions. Yes, thank uh, you. This has been, I think, our second mailbag. It well, yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's a good time. Alrighty. Well. I guess with that, we'll end it, and hopefully some exciting hockey happens this week as we're sort of closing in on Thanksgiving when we could start to maybe take something out of the stats that are showing up on the site. Yeah, we'll yeah, have to get our exciting. early our early uh, Selkie Ooh. Award winners. Early award? <laughs> early award. Evolving the, Wild Award tweets. The trademark, the patented, oh. infamous Evolving Wild Selkie takes. <laughs> They're, they're coming. They're, they're coming for you. We're close. We're getting close. <laughs> we're getting close. I'm, I'm itching for it. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, thanks, Sean. All right. Yeah. Good. We'll see you guys next week. Take care, yep. Sean. Take care. <laughs>